Here's the way Libby Larson tells the story. When she was growing up in Minnesota, she used to walk about a block and a half to a bakery to buy a loaf of bread for her family. But now she was 16, and she was learning to drive. She really couldn't understand why, but one day her dad arrived at home with a 1957 Thunderbird convertible. This was one hot car, and her dad was going to trust her with the keys. He gave her two or three dollars, she says, to go to the bakery on her usual bakery run, and he threw her the keys. He must have known what a temptation that would be for her. And, of course, the -the wet-behind-the-ears driver took the long way to the bakery. She headed for the unfinished highway system just being built in Minneapolis, and she put the pedal to the metal. When asked much later to compose a piece for an edgy young chamber group, she tried to capture in music, musical form at least, her experience on the ride of a lifetime. She told one interviewer that Four on the Floor is a piece about focus, speed, exhilaration, danger, and that glorious experience. As we understand it then, this work came directly out of the visceral experience Libby Larson had in driving a T-Bird convertible at high speeds in the 50s. No doubt she drew on many more personal experiences to craft a piece that stands on its own and thrills without any need to imagine the look on Libby Larson's face when her dad threw her the keys that day. For us as listeners, All we need to do is to let the performing musicians wow us with their virtuosity. We don't need to know if they've ever driven a car into infinity at high speeds. And of course, musicians don't need to have done anything like that. They are pros, and they bring the music to life fully, because that's what they've devoted their lives to doing. But what if... What if three of the players just happen to ride motorcycles and know that thrill? And what if they've known each other for a very long time? Couldn't we imagine that when they come together to perform four on the floor for us, that at some intangible level, they'll be bringing the exhilaration they actually feel on their motorcycles into their playing? even a bit of the risk-taking involved as they sail along a winding road. And there'd probably be a playful quality as a result of the delight they take in making music with friends. That's what's in store for us as the Northeastern Pennsylvania Chamber Music Society presents a concert this Saturday evening at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in downtown Wilkes-Barre. Co-founders John Michael Vida and Amy Iwazumi have invited the legendary double bassist James Vandermark from the Eastman School of Music, where they studied with him, to join in. And two longtime friends, Lisa Caravancello and Monjo K. Piano, for a program that will feature Four on the Floor by Libby Larson. Ferdinand the Bull by Alan Redout, a work with narration, and the much loved Trout Quintet by Franz Schubert based on his song titled Di Forella, The Trout, 
John and Amy joined us in the studio for a relaxed conversation by phone with their former professor, now friend, James Vandemark, to talk about the concert, the program, and their music making. NEPA CMS, we're excited to present our season finale here on Saturday, May 21st at 7 o'clock p.m. at St. Stephen's Cathedral. This is a program that we've been trying to perform for, oh, when was it, JB, that we first discussed this? Well, I think it was about two years ago. This is probably pre-pandemic that we began planning, and the actual program has been delayed twice, at least. So I'm very eager to uh, complete it and see you, an audience, in person. Yeah, I think we we probably put this program together over a dinner, I think, in Puerto Rico it was. That's correct. We we had originally scheduled it for May of 2020, and then, of course, because of the pandemic, we had to delay it at least twice. So we're finally able to do it. It's it's going to be a wonderful program. On, on the docket is Four on the Floor by Libby Larson, which is a wonderful, unique, piano quartet without the traditional instrumentation. And then we have Ferdinand, which is a piece for speaker and solo violin. And finishing up will be the Trout Quartet since it's that that season in Pennsylvania. I'm very curious about the fact that you, James, that you love to do pieces with narration. How does that come to be a delight for you? Well, I sort of fell into narrating a lot by accident, but I've enjoyed it immensely. It's simply another way to tell a story to an audience. I think many of us often view our performing as instrumentalists as some sort of storytelling, and uh, it turns out that being a narrator on many occasions has turned into another form of storytelling, another form of uh, interacting with other people, and also, in many cases, bringing some humor to the stage. So we will probably see some of that in Ferdinand the Bull. Both John and I look forward to doing this. We have not done this together before, and I think it should be an enormous amount of fun for the audience, as well as, frankly, being quite a clever and moving story. It's kind of a constant back and forth dialogue with the speaker and the solo violin but actually the first time i ever performed with with jb was when he was narrating in fact when i was at eastman i was an ensemble and we did stravinsky soldier's tale and he was the narrator for that and so that's the first time i was ever on stage i think you probably hopefully remember that i do and then since then we've we played in you know some chamber orchestra together but this is the first time we're actually going to be playing i think proper chamber music together so I'm, i'm looking forward to it I thought this was improper chamber music. (laughs) All right, well, we'll see. (laughs) And you talk about humor. The scenario of Schubert's song, Di Forella, the trout, might qualify? Oh, I think so. I mean, the Schubert trout has got to be one of the most high-spirited pieces of chamber music ever written. There's such joy and fun in it. Obviously, the slow movement has got... Uh, some sort of bittersweet uh, moments, as so much of Schubert does. But the Schubert is overall just a spectacularly joyous piece and, and funny. And four on the floor. I mean, four on the floor is basically a hot rod for chamber music. That's the wordplay that Libby Larson was using. There are four of us on the floor. But when she wrote in her notes that this is to be performed at breakneck speed, She's talking about a 1950s hot rod, 
and has a lot of references to boogie-woogie, jazz, rock and roll, all of which he grew up with. So we've got a really mixed bag of light-hearted, albeit serious, I think, chamber music in store for you this, this coming weekend. You know, when you first proposed the Libby Larson piece, Four on the Floor, my immediate thought actually was to my dog, who likes to jump. Yeah. And one of the, the mantras of dog training for us is four on the floor, right? Keep four paws on the floor, and if you do that, you get, you get treats. Right. <laughs> but clearly that's not what this piece is about. <laughs> It sounds as if you might be a bit breathless when you finish Four on the Floor. How are you arranging the pieces on the program? Well, Amy had originally put that second, and I had asked her very gracefully to to change that around if she could when she was putting the programs together. We're going to actually start with the Larson, then do the Ferdinand, and end with, with the Trout. James, do you know the other performers? Yes, I do. I have worked with both of them. Um, Lisa Caravan, I know from Eastman. <laughs> Actually, for many years, I knew Lisa, wonderful cellist, when she was studying cello and music education at Eastman. And she is now one of my colleagues at Eastman teaching there. And Juan, I knew as a student at Eastman when he was the stellar student of Rebecca Penny's. I uh, haven't seen him, and actually I've never played with him, although the interesting thing is that he used to accompany many of my students and do so absolutely astonishingly well. They, they found it such an inspiration to work with him. So I'm really looking forward to being uh, kind of reunited with this gang. Well, with that comfort level, then you'll take even more risks with four on the floor. Uh-oh, don't, don't get us started. John and I could really, you know, rock. <laughs> yeah, we will. That's kind of the plan. And it's such fun to play chamber music with people you like and that you like to play with. It really makes all the difference in the world. I certainly don't want to put anybody on the spot, but I'm curious, what kinds of things can you learn from a musician as remarkable as James Vandermark? He's a double bassist. You play violin and viola. I'm Play. just waiting um. for this answer. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop. No answer. pressure, John. I was going to say, I've always learned the most from people who don't play the violin or the viola because they, they seem to have different insight into sound projection. Musical ideas seem to be molded differently by different instruments. So I think when, when <laughs> violinists or violists just kind of hang out with each other, and kind of shun other instruments that's that's not a good thing because they're they're basically isolating themselves when you talk to other instrumentalists you'd be surprised by how much you would learn from different points of views yeah so just because he's a a double bass i mean (laughs) doesn't mean he's just hiding way down in the nether there (laughs) you know it's so funny that you say that annie because that frankly, for me, was also so much of the basis of my own education, because my principal teacher was a cellist, Paul Katz from the Cleveland Quartet, and that changed my way of thinking, too, just to hang out with someone who is not a bass player, have someone like that as an actual teacher for a number of years. And so I wholeheartedly agree with you. You know, I was actually thinking about this earlier today, maybe not in the terms that, Erica, you had had proposed there, but at a certain point, you know, going through music school, going to the conservatory, your whole life is dedicated to music. And I think as it should be and it needs to be for a certain point in time. 
I always had the other interests in my life, and I always thought to myself, well, you know, I, I can't do that because I need to focus on the violin. I need to get better on the violin, and all those other things are going to distract me. And actually, JB, th through knowing you, I don't know if it's been conscious or subconscious, I think you're one of those people that's helped me realize that all those other things that I love to do, I should do them, and they actually add to my musicianship. And I think maybe just part of getting older, too, I've learned to, I think, embrace those other things about life, which, you know, I love music, and I love playing music, and I'll continue to, to do that, but, you know, there's other things in life, and I think we're kindred spirits in, the, in that respect. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So does that mean reading poetry? Does it mean cooking? Does it mean going to Broadway? Uh, any and all of the above. I think you and your uh, listeners might be uh, most amused, maybe horrified, to know that John, Amy, and I all share a great passion for motorcycles. No way. Yeah. And we all ride. We haven't ridden together, but that's certainly something that we do. But that's, I think, just one of, one of many things. Yes, I do read poetry a little bit. Basically, I am an avid reader. But I, I think one of the reasons I like John, Amy, Lisa, and Wen so much is that they're such incredibly diverse people. They have such a variety of interests. Not one of them could be pigeonholed into being just a pianist, a cellist, a violinist. They are far more than that, even though I think John very aptly describes <laughs> the ritual that all of us went through in music school, in which we lived in a practice room and lived in the practice room music school bubble for any number of years. But I think we all brought to that something that perhaps a few years later has blossomed into something that I hope has enriched us and which in some ways we hope will enrich our performances, and our audiences. We know the Trout Quintet has a movement of theme and variations based on a song by Schubert, but we often think of Schubert as someone who is a lyrical composer by nature. Are you all singing to each other in the Trout Quintet? I don't think anyone wants to hear me sing personally, even <laughs> though my father is a choral conductor. <laughs> Uh, Amy, are you going to be singing? Uh, be Schoen and Merlin or uh, Haydn Rösline or something? One of the leaders? I hate the sound of my voice, so... <laughs> <laughs> the thing about the Schubert, it's that, that fourth movement that's the famous DiFarello tune. It's like a buy four, get one free type of piece. The typical form would have been that four movement structure, but you know he adds this wonderful addition to that, which has become the reason why this piece is so, so popular, I think. Absolutely. But the vocal style is unmistakable. You know, from measure one, you hear that. It is, it is such inimitable Schubert, and yet it has this remarkable vocal quality. It is storytelling in an expansion, surely, of Di Forella. But the joy, the humor, good-natured quality of it, uh, it's unmistakable. You're going to bring us a trout, Di Forella, a fish, and a bull, Ferdinand the Bull. What's that story about? So it's a little bit more than it appears at, at one level. Uh, one could see it as a children's tale that is about a bull that does not want to fight in the bull ring, but instead wants to sit under his favorite cork tree and smell the flowers. The fascinating thing about this that I, I found out was that the author, whose name was Monroe Leaf, wrote this piece in 1936, 
just as the Spanish Civil War was breaking out. And, of course, it was thought to be, at that point, something that was very much opposed to the fascism of uh, General Francisco Franco in Spain. And Spain immediately banned the book because they thought it was an indictment of uh, their regime. And subsequently, you'll also be amused that Hitler burned the book in Germany. He made it a point of banning it and then celebrating having it burned at book burnings because he thought it was so insidious. Others took opposing views, but generally it's seen as a kind of, admittedly, a children's tale, but one that also describes how one should stick up for their own values, be yourself, and above all, never be bullied. So it's timeless, and frankly, it's pretty appropriate for this moment, I think. And it's a lot of fun, and it's fun, but there's a lot more to it, and the backstory of it is really pretty fascinating. John, tell us the particulars of the concert. Well, since the inception of, of NEPA CMS, St. Stephen's has been our, our home base, and we're excited to, to be back there. Again, the, the concert is on Saturday the 21st at 7 o'clock p.m. However, you'll be able to catch us at the Fine Arts Fiesta same day at 3 o'clock right on the square. So we'll be playing some selections from the evening's program as well as a couple other pieces. John Michael Vida at Amy Iwazumi, co-founders of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Chamber Music Society, and double bassist James Vandemark from the Eastman School of Music. They studied with him there, and they are friends and colleagues now, and James Vandemark will take part in this program we've just heard about. It's also including Lisa Caravan cello and Juan Juque piano, and it will be this Saturday evening at 7 o'clock, May 21st, St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, 35 South Franklin Street in downtown Wilkes-Barre. For more information on the web, nepacms.org. They call the organization affectionately NEPACMS. It's nepacms.org. This is the piece by Libby Larson for On the Floor, but also included Ferdinand the Bull for violin and narrator by Alan Riddout and the much-loved Trout Quintet, Piano Quintet in A Major, Deutsch Listing 667 by Franz Schubert, all on the program for the Northeastern Pennsylvania Chamber Music Society, and it will be this Saturday evening at 7, St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, 35 South Franklin Street in downtown Wilkes-Barre. And as John reminded us, they will be offering a preview of this concert and a little bit more on the square, the public square in Wilkes-Barre, Saturday afternoon at 3 as part of the performing arts offerings at the Fine Arts Fiesta in downtown Wilkes-Barre. So nepacms.org, nepacms.org. <laughs> 